The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We're your hosts, Stephen. And Kyle. And today we are jumping back into part two of the Bledsoe Saga. So if you haven't listened to part one, definitely go back and check that out because it is a wild ride so far. I'm stoked to get into part two. Yeah. Before we do that, we got to get through all the business. So check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Come to the Discord, hang out, be chill. Be part of the community. If you have a paranormal experience you'd like to share, Kyle's going to tell you how to do it. You can write out your story. You can record it with your voice memo app on your smartphones. You can record it with the video. And then you can shoot that over to the email, which is hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also call or text the holophone, which is going to be 1618-556-0837, and leave your experience there. And then sometimes we have interviews, and when we do that, you're more than welcome to call and have an interview on the spot. It's always a good time. For Interesting sure. time. If you'd like to support the show, there's tons of ways to do it. First and foremost, uh, word of mouth, share the show, share your favorite episodes with anybody who listens to podcasts, anybody into the paranormal, anyone you think would be interested, please share the show. The bigger the community we can build, the better. We also have a uh, shop where you can go and pick up some t-shirts. We have a Patreon, a Venmo, any way you'd like to support us, we appreciate it. Uh, should all be in our show notes and in our uh, link tree to check that out. Another way you can support the show is leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. If I come across them, I will gladly shout you out. Today's five-star rating and review comes to us from JMC Craddock. says, awesome, five stars. I love this show. Keep up the good work. Well, JMC, we're glad that you are enjoying our show. And we will keep up the good work because that's what we do. We try. Try to do. 
If you have a paranormal encounter, like I said before, uh, send it our way and we will feature it on an upcoming episode. Today's paranormal encounter bounces off last week. So if you remember last week's show, we had Kevin write in. He wrote in again with another uh, experience. And I decided to feature them two in a row because they might tie into one another. If you remember last week, he had the Ouija board encounter. And that was pretty intense. Well, this one, he says... I'm assuming he he submitted this one first because he said, I just found your podcast and I'm listening to the older shows. In 2011, when I was still in the military, I was still in the military. My wife and I lived in a small two-bedroom apartment. One night while sleeping, I wake up as this dark person walks down the hall, comes into our room, and right at the foot of the bed, I jump up cussing like crazy, trying to find the person that's in our apartment. I go all over and check every room in the closet and I found nothing. Check the front door and even the balcony. That was the only thing I had ever happened in that apartment. I had other things happen over the years, but this was the first with a shadow person. Uh, I have others that I'm willing to share. Uh, first off, Kevin, thanks again for submitting uh, your encounters. Uh, keep them coming because we love them. And I, like I said, I decided to do these back to back in this order because his Ouija board experience was from 2010. And it was super intense. Uh, it's almost like he blacked out and almost was taken over by whatever entity was either in in that house at the time or whatever entity was leading him through the Ouija board. But it makes me wonder if when he was delving into the Ouija board thing, if whatever took him over did not leave. Because this encounter was from 2011, the following year. And it's kind of odd that they go in that chronological right. order. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Definitely possible. Because, like, like we talked about last time, any any sort of opening communication can, you know, open a door, so to speak. So it's you never know what comes through and what doesn't. Yeah, and then what decides to stick around and what goes away. Yeah, exactly. I would I would try to maybe cleanse your house or yourself in the process. Yeah. Always, always make sure you shut the doors that you open. Yeah, that's pretty important in that uh, aspect. But yeah, thanks again, Kevin, for sending uh, your encounters in. If you've got some more, keep them coming. I know it's been a minute since you sent them over, but we're we're digging through them. Uh, now on to the meat of the story, uh, part two of Kyle's jumping into blood. So uh, the last episode we left off. Chris and his son were going to kind of head this this being off at the pass, so to speak. And Chris Jr. was supposed to be following Chris Sr. through uh, this clearing in the forest. As Chris Sr. turns around, Chris Jr. is nowhere to be found. And in his place was a three-foot being. being. Yep. That's the cliffhanger from yeah. last week. It was a pretty decent cliffhanger. I'm sure that everyone was ultra stoked on that. Yeah, I'm. I like I said before, I've never heard of Chris Bledsoe or any of his stories, so this is all like hitting me fresh. So it's yeah, which is perfect. That's exactly how we like to structure the show: is try to leave the other one in the dark so we can free think and just kind of go with it. But uh, getting into the story here, after Chris's experience, once again, you know, unfortunately, he's he's kind of having a hard time with his life because 
he grew up in a ultra religious area. So when he started to share this with everybody, they kind of started to slander him. And they did this because, and I purposely left this out and don't, I, I will say don't have any preconceived notions quite yet, but Chris thinks at this point that these beings are angels. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So that's kind of the narrative that he starts to put out there and being in that religious community, they, they don't take very kind to it for whatever reason. And they start to just make his life hell. His children were becoming more and more afraid of this story and the entity that Chris keeps or claims keeps showing up. This experience put loads of stress on the Bledsoe marriage as well, which, you know, you could only imagine. You have all this stress being dumped on your family, especially if said spouse doesn't believe in this or is starting to more or less wonder if uh, you're losing your mind. Which, you know, could and, be in the cards. And not to mention, like, now your children are, like, involved as well. Yeah, that's that makes it infinitely harder. You know, if, if, if there is truth to what's happening, your, one of your children have been exposed to it also. So that, that kind of brings a whole new layer to the stress that's going on. For sure. You know, and then, you know, like I said previously, um, uh, then with all that, then you sprinkle on your peers and all their opinions, and you, you more or less have a powder, a powder keg on, on your hands. Well, to add to all of this, Chris is kind of in, he, he believes in his story. He believes in everything that's going on. So Chris decides, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and reach out to MUFON. So Chris, and it was like he went back and forth, like, should I share this or should I just keep it quiet? Because it is causing so much stress in my life. Maybe I shouldn't talk to anybody about this, but he ends up writing a letter or an email or whatever and sending it to, to move on. Shortly after this, researchers show up. Well, it's gotten so stressful at this point that Chris says, I don't, I don't want a meeting. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And this is in the course correspondence, you know, the researchers reach back out to Chris and it, it goes back and forth like this for a while. When finally the, the researcher kind of assigned to the case emails him and he's like, all right, dude, this is the last time. This is my last attempt. You know, I want to come out there and investigate and talk to you but if you don't respond to this or you have reservations still, I think that MUFON in general is just going to backburn this case and put it away, you know, because if you're not willing to talk about it, there's no point in us wasting any more time and resources into chasing it. So Chris sees this email, he reads it, and he responds back with, all right, you know what? I think I'm finally ready to talk about it. Let's get together. In a, another bizarre turn of events. So, you know, 
Chris has been freaking out about it and the publicity side of things, which takes a, a massive toll on his marriage, so much so that Chris pretty much had it in his head that as soon as I send this and hit, I hit, you know, send, my marriage is done. Like it's all, it's, it's gotten that bad where I'm, I'm pretty convinced that if I were to, if I meet up with this researcher, my marriage is done, but he ends up sending it anyways. And this is where it kind of twists because the investigator ends up showing up and as luck would have it, the ironically enough, the researcher's name is Steve. Not me though. Yeah, not not Steve Steve. Could be me. Could have been. So Steve shows up, sits down, starts to talk to Chris about his experience. And see so you have this guy in your house, you're talking to him, and your wife comes in to the room. And this is like just out of nowhere. Chris has no knowledge of this whatsoever. She sits down, looks at the researcher in the face, and goes, would you happen to know anything about shadow people? And Chris kind of turns to look at her like, excuse me? What did you just say? Now, apparently, her and her kids were seeing shadow entities walk around the house. Two, to be exact. Now they would they would see these shadow figures walk down the hallway and then walk right through the house. Like they would walk right through the wall and disappear. So another similar similarity here. Um that kind of happens in Stardust Ranch. You know, when the beings I think the beings were trying to take his wife away and she phased through the wall with them and it's not the you know it's not the definitely not the first time we've heard about beings be able to go through walls the the strange part is is we don't know the context between behind shadow these shadow figures are they spiritual entities are they extraterrestrial entities because it seems to be that he's only dealing with what i would consider ets right yeah another thing that I thought about as well as I don't quite, I think I found an article on it and I might've said something to you about it, Steve, but I have been hearing more and more about shadow entities being linked to ETs. Specifically, I read an article, I think it was an article on a guy, or maybe I watched a video. Either way, this guy claimed that he worked at, if I I want to say S2 is right next to Area 51, and it is a nuclear base, like a nuclear site anyways. And he claims that he was seeing shadow entities walking the halls of this this complex, which we all know, you know, through experiencers that UFOs seem to like to really hang out at our nuclear facilities. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So there has to be some type of correlation between the two. 
I've I've heard other um other encounters of uh security and stuff at uh nuclear bases and facilities seeing shadow people on the premises. It almost well. makes you wonder if like this is one of their forms, if they can I don't know, almost like a camouflage, but not so much a camouflage. I don't know. It's weird. Anyways, apparently his wife had many cases now where she's dealing with strange things. On on one instance, she saw a triangle craft flying right down the highway. All the while, they kept everything from Chris for whatever reason. They never spoke to him about it. So not only is she having it, but their kids are seeing shit too. And it maybe you know the only thing I could think of is maybe like sometimes we do we just try to ignore it and and let it go away, yeah, you know, or, just or kind of. She could have been seeing how much negative, uh, yeah, negative stuff Chris was catching from the community and from yeah, and didn't want church, and she just either didn't want to keep adding fuel to the fire, yep. or she didn't want to take the brunt of that kind of ridicule that. Chris was yep. grabbing. That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Anyways, they're all sitting around and talking with his investigator, explaining the story and all the things that had been going on. So Steve writes a massive report and sends it off to California. The very next day, Chris receives a phone call from a man by the name of Jim DeManchi. He is a police officer who starts to tell Chris of his encounters. This guy wants Chris to talk with the director of MUFON, so Chris talks with him. Well, they said the case was too big for just one guy to handle, so they sent, they basically start sending people by the droves there to help investigate the story. By June, Chris gets talked into a Discovery Channel episode. So Chris is, you know, he's excited thinking it's going to, they're basically going to come out here and help prove his story and get everybody in the community off his back. He's like, this is this is the best news I I've could have received. So they they filmed the documentary. Mufon apparently organized the the entire documentary. They were they had firsthand experience in dealing with all this for discovery. Well, apparently the director of the documentary took a different approach. I have not watched the documentary yet, but I am going to watch it because this documentary basically ruins the Bledsoe's. And they basically, like, they, they take Chris in and they start almost questioning Chris like he's a criminal. They, they're, like, they're literally, like, pounding on the desk type of shit almost harassing him like they assumed he was lying and wasting their time, like doing this good cop, bad cop bullshit with him. That's so weird. Right? And it just doesn't seem like a logical approach to an investigation that you're trying to prove. Yeah, especially if if you're there because he wants you there. Yeah. To help. And then MUFON, to boot, organized all of this. They got a hold of Discovery. 
they set up the documentary. Gotta make good TV, dog. Right? What Do you have the name of the documentary? Mm, I don't. I'll look at it. Kyle up. sent it to me. It was, on, it was done by Discovery. Right on. Now, I'll Google. One of the giant red flags, the final thing they wanted Chris to do was do a lie detector test. Never take a detector test, bro. Right. And I think it was because they wanted to control the narrative here. They wanted to catch this on camera of him failing the test. Oh, yeah. So they could wash their hands of this and basically call him a nut job. Chris even got information later on from Washington because from this experience, Chris, and he won't, will not reveal who they are, what department they're with, but he's got a lot of connections from Washington. And they straight up told him that this was a smear campaign. They had a disinformation agent placed within MUFON just to do this type of thing. Like that was his purpose. It's, it's probably this one right here. UFOs over Earth, the Fayetteville incident. MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, investigate UFO sighting and possible alien abduction using the tools of science, psychology, and law enforcement. Yeah, I, it looks like it because I've bled so. I've seen uh, stills of of Bledsoe, and he was wearing a red shirt and a, a part of it there. It's 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 so crazy that everybody is out to discredit him. Yeah, and and it's not crazy that organizations as large as MUFON have disinformation agents placed within them. Oh yeah, you know what oh, I mean, yeah. like. And I know, I know they have a narrative to direct. Exactly. And it's no fault to Chris because I don't feel like Chris lived this, like walk this line like we do. You know what I mean? Like this information agent would not be on his radar, period, the end. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying? He is probably so distraught with the situation, especially now the community's kind of turning on him, that when MUFON came in and was like, yo, we're going to, we'll help you. He's like, Thank God. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't. He probably didn't have an inkling that they were going to try to turn this around and make him look like a fool. Oh, I guaranteed, guaranteed. Which is terrible. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, like I said, you listen to Mister Bledsoe talk, and he seems like the sweetest dude ever. Super genuine. Another thing that happens to him is, you know, Chris gets a call from California. Did he fail the lie detector test? I believe so. Probably. They don't even use them in court. I get so, I get like, to it here in just a second about how, how it was just straight up trash. But right on. I just didn't know if I missed that. I was Googling. Yeah. Uh, Chris gets a call from California. You know, it's, it's part of Discovery that's calling him. They said they were flying in and they wanted, they kind of wanted Chris's help in acquiring a hotel room. So he refers one, you know, and they're like, all right, we're going to be at your spot at about eight in the morning. Chris is like, all right, cool. Well, the next morning they call Chris and ask him to come to the hotel stating we have, you know, some paperwork to do, et cetera, et cetera. So he does. He goes there with his wife and he's like, it was so weird because I, I get there 
I sit in the lobby of the hotel and there's nobody there. Like there's nobody there to greet me, nothing. And you know, they sat in the, the lobby for some time until somebody finally walks up to him and is like, Hey, are you Chris? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, well come back here with, uh, with me. He's like, all right, whatever. So he gets back to the hotel room and guess who's waiting for him? The FBI's polygraph guy. Oh, sweet. Right. So. Cause they have nothing better to do at this right. point. And they, and at this point, you know, they had mentioned prior that they were wanting him, they were wanting him to take this test, but it never kind of got submitted. Cause I don't think Chris really wanted to do it. No, he did say he would do it, but obviously under the right circumstances. And they, they just like blindside him with this. They don't tell him nothing about it. They straight up blindside him. They were trying to build the entire show around this because at this point they hadn't even started filming yet. Right out of the gate, they want to do a polygraph test. Oh yeah, when it when you look at the description of the episode when it says using law enforcement technology, like there you go, get out of here. There you go. They they also like apparently in the process of this documentary, they left out shitloads of actual evidence, like. Chris had evidence of burnt grass. He had other people's testimonies, all types of shit. And now I, I'm assuming after this documentary came out, which this would piss me off to no end and add to the stress of my life. But one of Chris's kids, teachers started harassing the kid at school about basically making fun of his dad for being an alien nut job uh, and fly. No, 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 no. Oh no. Old dad showing up at school. Oh yeah. Talk shit to my kids. Cause I host a podcast. About yeah. Aliens, yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, that's exactly where my brain went. I'm like, what if some asshole thinks he's going to mess with my kid? I think about it all the time because like I'm my like, boys, especially like Maddox, he he rocks the show merch and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, engage those too. I'm like, please say something negative. Dude. Driving to Texas, boys. Please say something negative. Taking a week off because we're going <laughs> to Texas, and it might be more than a week because we're probably gonna go to jail. <laughs> Anyways, so but back to this uh, this polygraph test. Now, apparently, you're only supposed to take. Like, like a polygraph test is only supposed to be like six questions or something like that. I'm, I I don't remember exactly, but it's a it's a small number of questions. Well, Chris's test was thirty four, hmm. and perfect, scientific. Only one of those questions of the thirty four, or even pertained to. To his experience. The rest was all just garbage. Like, the only thing that I can even remotely think of, and it's not even justifying the actions, is if they're trying to, like, somehow validate his credibility or some shit. Possibly. You know? Like, how are you gonna... You gonna form questions about an incident that a dude doesn't even know how to process? Right. You know what I mean? Like nobody 
can functionally process an alien abduction. Exactly. And you're gonna you're gonna ask like I'm almost glad they only ask him one question about it yeah. because like. But at the same time, imagine because like with the polygraph, like they they hook up. What is it like your blood pressure and and all all yeah, types of that shit? Your pulse socks and stuff. Too. So imagine the ups and downs you're gonna have. So you get, I mean, I know how I would act. I'm not speaking for Mr. Bledsoe here, but if I were to get ambushed in that room with an FBI polygraph guy, I'd be fucking pissed. Oh, yeah. And then you get, then so you have an anger bout there, and then you get asked these dumb questions. Where, nothing to do with what you think is going to help you. Yeah, and now you have an annoyance that you you drop on top of what you're already experiencing. Then you try to get to your one question and then maybe your mind goes slightly clarity, or maybe it gets even more angry because you're like, oh, well, now after asking me what cheeseburger do I prefer, whatever, <laughs> now he, you want to know about my experience. Was, like, I don't know his demeanor, but he was probably already worked up that he drove to the hotel and then he just got blew off, like exactly. off for the last hour and a half or however long he was there waiting for these people to show up. Exactly. And that's what I mean. Like you have this roller coaster of emotions whenever you're supposed to have like a base that they can judge off of. Yeah. And instead they create this roller coaster of just chaos. And yeah, I do have it written down here. In the end, they basically say that he was lying about the encounter. So stupid. But after this, things pick up. The story does not end here. Not even close. So... Chris's father found out that he ends up having uh, kidney cancer. So to add to the the tragedy of Mr. Bledsoe's life, you know, obviously he's devastated by this news. He didn't know what to do, you know, because like legitimately for Chris, his father was his best friend. So Chris did what, he kind of did before he begins looking up to the sky and praying because that's all he could do. Well, the doctors end up telling them that it wasn't going to end very well for his father because his father had a heart attack prior to this, which made his heart weak. Therefore they couldn't perform any type of surgery on him, you know, cause they weren't able to put him under in fear of him not waking back up. So they suggest that he goes to, Chapel Hill and get a second opinion. All the while, Chris has been praying and and whatnot, just doing anything that he can possibly do for his father. Well, here they are waiting for the news from Chapel Hill. Call finally comes, and the doctors say, uh, "I don't, we don't, uh, we don't see the cancer that you were talking about. Like there is no cancer here." So it's kind of an oddity to sprinkle on on top. Yeah, it's great news. But it gets weird. So they're getting this call. You know, because with that statement right there, if I were to end it right there, your brain's going to go in two different areas listening to this story. Is it possible that these entities help? Yeah. 
or is it just luck of the draw where, because it does happen. It does happen to misdiagnosis. They, it does happen. And then you go and get that second opinion. And they're like, no, 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 no. They're, they're not the brightest batch over there. Yeah. It does happen. Yeah. But bouncing off of the first episode where they, they communicate with Chris and tell him like, hey, we're here to help you. Yep. And then he kind of just sends this signal out like, yo, my dad's got a bad diagnosis. Can I get any help? And then all of a sudden gets a clear clear bill here. Makes right. you wonder. Well, you know, uh, when this news came across, Chris looked to the sky and said, thank you. And when he did, a cigar-shaped craft appeared and then took off. Everyone there with Chris, his family, saw that craft. So it wasn't just him. So weird. So it's kind of a... It's kind of a cool little uh, situation there. Just like they acknowledged. Exactly. Like, we got you, dog. Here's where I, I've kind of been leading to, because this is this is pretty exciting. Uh, but with this first experience, Chris decides that he's going to go through a regression. <sighs> yes. You know, and, and like I've stated Props before. Props to the guy, but I don't know that I'd ever be able to sit through one of those. Right. Now, as I stated before, uh, Chris had no idea. Well, he did, but he completely discarded it. But he more or less wasn't that aware of his missing time. The odd part to all this is that I'm assuming like the son and the friends would probably bring up the missing time. And when Chris would try to think about it, he would get, a massive headache so much so that apparently his family recorded him like screaming in pain and then he would even pass out. That's terrible. Right. So when I guess I'm assuming I'm not exactly sure who got a hold of who, but they end up getting a whole actually and now that I'm kind of reading this it might have been MUFON that got a hold of this person to do a regression for the documentary because this regression quote unquote got included in the documentary and I'll, I'll explain that in a, in a bit but so Chris gets there first things first the doctor did something to take away the headache which ironically enough worked then they went into the actual regression from this regression it was put into that MUFON document as I just stated and they, they put a little bitty piece of it in there. They don't put the whole regression. So it's just out of context? Very Great. out of context. Great. But from that, Chris got tons of connections into Washington. And believe it or not, Chris's encounter was the first ATIPS case, the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program. It was their very first oh, case. That's, that's wild. Right. So I listened to Bledsoe said so and transcribed Chris's regression. So I'm going to read that. So it's going to, it's going to be between Chris and the doctor. So buckle up. And I will interject at times here uh, to have some dialogue with you, Steve, because there are, there are kind of pivotal moments in this regression where, I make some connections, and I, if I remember, I'll remember some of the context that 
Ryan, the host of Bledsoe Said So, also interjected. But uh, so the first one is Chris because he's he's in this regressed state, and they begin to ask him about his experience, and and this is kind of how it starts off. Chris, don't touch me. Get away. Frightened. Don't touch me. Don't. Where are we going? Where am I? I'm in the sky. I am. I am. It's high. The doctor. You're okay. You're okay. Chris, am I awake? I don't know where I am. It's dark. Noise. Doctor, tell me about the noise. Chris, don't do it. I feel it. I feel it inside my body. It's vibrating. Dark. Why me? A cold walk. Where are we going? Where am I? I'm in the sky. A light. I couldn't move. It came over. I was hiding. It came over. I could reach over and touch it. It paralyzed me. Somebody help me. Doctor, can you see anything? Chris, I can see the stars. I can see the stars. I made the stars, like when I was 12. I'm in a row. It's dark. But it looks like looking through glass. I see stars. They're around me. Around me and above me. I don't know how it got here. Now, apparently at this point, Chris describes a place he's being taken to that match a place he describes when he was little. Because apparently when Chris was little, he was about 10 years old, he went hunting hunting with two friends. And Chris ends up being shot with a shotgun. Oh, shit. And he was... Like he he was not doing good, but he describes almost identically in that near death experience as to what he's going through now. So there's a slight connection already being made. Uh, the doctor asks, "Are you in a room?" Chris says, "I'm in a room. It feels like a room. I can hear the echo of like breathing. I don't know how I got here." They got me. There is a light. Orange bulbs. There's two of them. They grabbed me. I didn't know what it was that grabbed me. There's another one that saw me. I looked at the other one change color and shape. It's over my head. Paralyzed me. Now, where I'm at, I see the stars. I hear myself breathe. It's echoing like there's a wall. There's like walls and I can see through them. The light over my head is shining down on me. What's going to happen? Hey, Hollow Colt. The weather's getting nice. And you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tecovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tecovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, 
regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's re- it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Doctor, what do they look like? I can see them. They're tall. Tall and scary. I can't move. They're reaching for me. Tall. Doctor, what do they look like? Chris, they've got long arms, long fingers. They're not speaking. They're looking at me. Four of them. Doctor, they're looking at you with their eyes? Chris, uh huh. Doctor, what do their eyes look like? Chris, they're big. They're, no, excuse me. They're black. Big. I'm just scared. Tall. Very tall and skinny. I'm scared. I just want to find my son. Doctor, are they still touching you? Chris, yeah, they're around me. Doctor, four of them? Chris, uh huh. That's what it's called. I want to go. Oh, I see my son. See, he's okay. They're watching after him. What do you want? Why me? I love my family. Please take me home. They're talking with me. Doctor, what are they saying to you? Chris, strong. Promise. Doctor, are they telling you to be strong? Chris, uh huh. They're telling me not to worry. Why me? All my life, my son's life. Promise, I'll be strong for them. I know, I know. Tell them not to worry. Hard. Okay, I love my family. I'll calm down. Why? Why? Why was I chosen? Where are we? Doctor, are they telling you you were chosen? Chris, uh uh-huh. Doctor, what reason was that? Chris, since birth, before birth. It's possible. Everything's possible. They're my guardians. Every time I get sad, they're here. 
I know I was sad. Promise. Promise. Doctor. Ask them if they helped you when you were shot when you were a little kid. Chris. When I was shot, was that you? Uh-huh. I'm in the same place. So soothing. I can see the stars. Everything. I remember. I remember. Remember Montana. Okay. Kids. Somebody's children. Those children, too. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to calm down. Tall. My children are tall. Doctor, what are you promising them? Chris, to protect and look over my family. I'll do any, everything in my power to help my mom and dad and the other people. I know I have to be strong. I'm just scared. I've had these dreams all my life. I couldn't sleep because of these dreams. Am I dreaming now? Uh-huh. My son? My children? I just want to find him. I'll calm down. Okay. I'm scared. I don't want any harm to come to him. And I was sad. Is that why you come? I cried a lot. I cried a lot. I just want to go home. Like they're talking to one another. I can't understand. <clears throat> now apparently, at this section right here, in the actual audio of the regression, Chris is bawling through his regression like he is just in tears it's so it's so crazy um i'm trying to figure out what he meant when he said i made the stars or my children are tall yeah like because that kind of weirded me out too yeah i i thought about that as well like maybe he had some hybrid kids running yeah that was kind of where my head went to i'm i made the stars like when i was young now, could he be talking about the presence of UFOs? You know what I'm saying? Like, could he, could his mind when he was younger misconstrued the the light of said UFO yeah, to be a star? Be, could be. Because if not, I know this is choppy. So also another point, which I, I will get to in, in just a second, because I don't want to blow that. But uh, it could be that when, when Chris is talking, he's talking for two people, himself and Younger. the alien or the alien. And you'll understand, yeah, that you'll understand what I mean by this in just a second with the I create the stars. Oh, uh, that yeah, and the calm down, calm down. Right. It's almost they don't it is almost like there's two dialogues going on. Right. So it goes back into uh, that, that makes more sense. That the, there's double dialogue. Yeah. It could, it could be for the children as well. My children yeah. are tall. Um, doctor, are they paying attention to you now? Chris, I know they are, but it doesn't appear they are. They are. Skinny. Doctor, how tall are they? Chris, real tall. Seven foot or better. They look almost human in the face. And their eyes. Their eyes are big. They're not human. Not human. They look a greenish and blue, grayish blue maybe, paying attention to me, and I'm nervous. Doctor, what did the room look like? Chris, it's round, it's dark. There's lights, controls on one side to my right and ahead. 
colored lights like a console, like a computer or something. It's like glass, you can see through it. Light's not shining over my head like it was. I can see below, above, the stars in every direction glow from the controls. Nobody's sitting at them. They're just talking. Night. Doctor, what's their attitude towards you? How do they feel about you? Chris, feels like care, concern, no expression. I can hear them talking. I don't see their mouths moving. I can hear the voices. I know they're talking about me. They want me to calm down. They're trying to make me feel comfortable. You are assigned to me. They were with me before I was born. They take care of certain people. In my mind all along, I just didn't know it. You are talking to me. Wow. They say in times of trouble, they're here for me. They're concerned. And they're here all along, and I just didn't know it. They're talking to me. Wow. I didn't know that. A voice. A silent voice. I always knew something was protecting me. I just felt that. I just knew things. Now I better understand. Promise. I promise. I'll do my best. I promise. Okay. I love my children. I do. All of them. I know these things. I've always been curious. I don't know. I just had a knack. Where are we? Your pure energy? How old are you? They've been here forever. That's a long time. I'm going to stop right here because in in this statement here, uh, some weird things. So, and it, I will uh, 100% acknowledge while I'm listening to this regression, I don't, I don't actually get to hear the real time audio. I'm hearing a transcript from, uh, Chris's son and his friend who do the podcast. But the whole time I'm, and this is even prior to this statement, but it was once I started the regression, uh, I even have proof. I, I messaged Kyle on, uh, discord. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm listening to this regression and I am freaked out. I was like, I legitimately 100% feel like they're here. Like I just have this eerie ass feeling. They give just me, give me goosebumps, gives me chills. And then I get to this part and he's talking about how he's never really been able to see them. He's always been able to feel them. Another thing, and we just recently talked about this. And once again, I could be making connections that aren't really there, but I do find it ironic. Um, remember not too long ago, we talked about uh, us in individually having these near-death experiences where you feel like something negative should have clearly happened in this this moment, but then it doesn't. And it kind of hit me yeah. because we just recently talked about that. And then he goes on to talk about how they have been there to protect him. They were assigned to protect him. That's and I'm like, weird. I'm like, could I be drawing these out? Absolutely. My brain could just be running a million miles an hour. That is weird. But it is ironic, especially like, like I said in the last episode and with Bo, the, the, the timing of the story, the, the way these things, because if we would have done this story 
six months ago, I wouldn't have had these exact thoughts. Yeah. That is weird. So it's, it's just kind of, it blows my mind a little bit. It does. It does make the wheels turn. Yeah. And then, all right. So it makes you question all higher powers. Oh, wait for it. I'm going to read these. Copy that. These two, these next two things. And this is where I kind of blew my own mind. But (laughs) so, you know, once again, he refers to them as being old, being here forever. That's a long time. The doctor says, they've been here since before you were born. Were they with you in another lifetime? Yes. Chris says, yes. Before I was born, I didn't have to speak to them. They're in my thoughts. Are you angels? Light. Creation. I believe in God. Okay, I create you. Yes, they do everything. So you're angels. Don't answer that. They just work for creation. Better. My son's fine. So I'm going to stop right the fuck there. For me, this little this little dialogue here rocked me because a clear utter clear connection to the beings at Stardust Ranch. Stardust Ranch happened before this incident. And if you can recall, so you remember John and when he had a discussion with the beings that visited him. There were two beings that came in, like portaled into John's living room and they sat down and basically had a conversation. Well, in that conversation, the beings don't say they work for creation, but the beings directly reference creation. They said humans do not understand what creation even is. Okay. So you mark that there. And then you go into this dialogue here. Because this whole time I told you Chris is convinced that these beings are angels. And so he he flat out asks. And they, I'm assuming they're the ones responding with, you know, he, Chris says, are you angels? They, I'm, this is my assumption. They assume with light creation. Or no, maybe Chris is still talking here. And then he says, I believe in God. And then in reference to that word God, I'm assuming they say, okay, I create you. Right? Yeah. Now, they, you know, and then Chris, I I think this is Chris where he says, yes, they do everything. I, I take it as more so implying that they create everything. And once again, he hits them with, so you are angels. And they respond with, don't Don't answer that. They just work for creation. So my brain takes off on a tangent here. Now, it's also divulged in this episode that these beings are are pure energy. And Chris has every reason to believe, in my opinion, that these are angels. Because there was also another account and this would probably be after this regression as time goes on. But Ryan says that his dad sees this, this orb come out of the sky on his property and it floats over top of one of their ponds. And it starts to shake, like vibrate really fast back and forth. Almost like, I don't know if a lot of you have seen it, but you, get, you can get like one of those solid light bars. And it starts spinning really, really, really fast where you can see it blur. 
and then it starts to make an image yeah, yeah, as it gets yeah. faster and faster. Well, that's what this orb did. And it turned into a, a human-esque figure. <clears throat> Take a wild guess at the name of this figure. Michael. Uh, like the archangel. <laughs> like the archangel. Now, here's where my brain goes. If these beings have been around for essentially all eternity, and it was more or less talked about how, because uh, Ryan brought this up, how these beings, they work for creation. They, they go to different dimensions. They go to different planets and help kind of move along the things that are on these planets, you know, kind of for lack of better words, aid in evolution, right? So we know looking into this, that this case here is not the first time. It's not the first time aliens have been to the planet, right? You can, you can assume that they've virtually been here since the beginning. What if, what if, because you know how humans are, we like to put these things in little fucking boxes. What if, what if uh, creation is God? I mean, it, it, it almost, I don't know. Like, like I'm breaking that, I'm sitting here reading that and breaking that down. When he first asked, are you angels? They don't respond with yes. They respond with light and creation. Like mm -hmm. we are light, we are creation. Right. And then when they said, when Chris says, I believe in God, well, they're like, okay, I create you. Almost implying that they are God. You Possible. know what I mean? Yeah. And then uh, like, okay, if you believe in God, then we create you. So like, like we are in that position. Right. And Which is not when, far off where I'm going. When he asks again... Are you angels? He, they say, don't answer that. And almost res like the response where they say, um, they work for creation almost makes me think that, that that's them responding to angels. Like not, not that they, the entities work for creation, but that angels work for creation. Are you angels? Don't answer that. They, the angels, work for creation. That's possible. Not the beings. I didn't read it that way. The way I read it was that the it's almost Chris was explaining that they worked for like these light beings worked for creation. Yeah, it all, but it almost like reads to me like they're trying to trying to like create like separate themselves from angels from angels and God. Well, either way, that's still fucked because that's still an acknowledgement of God and angels. Now, the way my brain originally perceived it was that is it possible because they've been here throughout time that humans, they couldn't wrap their brain around, say, say creation as a, we'll just pretend it's this all encompassing force that has intelligence, but it doesn't have like a physicality yeah. to it. But that's the, that's a clear description of God. It's, it's, it's almost like, like to me, humans have been dealing with whatever these beings are forever. Mm -hmm. And they just started calling them. God. That's exactly what I'm, that's kind of where I'm going at. Yeah. But my brain went to, in the context that they just work for creation. So if I read that, and the way my brain went was that these light beings work for creation. 
So in a, in a roundabout way, these light beings could be angels. The thing that throws me is they keep referring to creation, but whenever he mentions God, he says, I believe in God. And they're like, well, okay, I create you. Yeah, that is like, terrifying. We we are that. We create you. Yeah, for sure. And then whenever he uses the word angel, they just they just kind of defer it out. Like, no, the angels work for creation. And I create you. So, like, it's almost like this weird hierarchy. Like, what we perceive as angels might work for whatever the fuck these people right. are. Yeah. And it's kind of in a round, it's a different angle, which is what I wanted. I wanted the the dialogue there. It's because it, like, it, it is a very... It's almost like every time he refers to angels or God, they def they deflect it. You know what I mean? It's possible, for sure. When he's like, it, it just even sucks. God, and they're like, okay, then I, I create you. I'm Yeah. God. And it, it sucks because we don't have... We're not there for that conversation, yeah. which means we don't hard fully... hard to pick apart where he's exactly. responding and where they're responding. Yeah, because is it... Is <laughs> is they just work for creation? Is that... Yeah. Is that the the beings telling him or is that chris telling the doctor yeah or or is it the beings referring to angels when he says are you angels yeah don't yeah. answer that and they're like the angels just work for creation exactly so we we can't <laughs> it is it you is can't cut it apart out of context yeah so it, it's kind of hard it's left, um, it's left to interpretation that could go like so many different ways yeah and and then another thing that ryan was explaining too was that like when it comes to their craft and the beings themselves, um, which is curious when you when you look at the lore of like, if I remember correctly, isn't it almost impossible for uh, a human to witness the, the the angel's true face, the true form? If I remember, I could be wrong. But I, I could have swore I've heard that somewhere. Dude, like it's got it's got my brain turning so much. Like, what if? What if our next step in, in like, uh, universal, like moving forward in the universe would, it has to be like us just shedding religion. Like anytime that this stuff presents our, presents itself to us, we are, we automatically assume like it's something spiritual. Mm -hmm. What if that's what's holding us back as a species from making that next step up to being like accepted into some big, like... Well, there was the dialogue we'll in Stardust Ranch that kind of had a, uh, with them beings. Like they had, like, remember, cause they said like one of your first things is to be able to communicate with all living things. Yeah. yeah. Like there was a clear path at, to be able to be like accepted into this, yeah. this other realm, so to speak. That's it, like, it, it's, I don't know. It's And then I, I also liked this dialogue when I had my, my specific way of thinking, cause I'm like, okay, so this is kind of sick. Uh, you're all about this interdimensional shit. And I don't, I like interdimensional, but I also like, especially, for, I don't know why, but when it comes to the alien context, like a lot of people, like there's different camps, like, oh no, the aliens come from different dimensions. Well, no, the aliens come from other planets. But in my reading of this, I'm like, and with, with Ryan's input from Bledsoe said, so I'm like, me and Steve are both right because they're saying that these light beings can cross into other dimensions to help aid yeah. whatever's going on there. And then not to mention they can go wherever they want. So they can go to other planets in our universe. Oh yeah. Which only tells me that in a roundabout way, we're both right. 
maybe once you get so far advanced in your in your civilization and your psyche you can traverse like like it's like steps like it's intergalactic like space travel and then it's uh like universal travel and then it's dimensional travel oh, i'm sure i'm sure there's stepping stones take steps well and then imagine what that would do to our psyche if you just went from like earth to interdimensional jumping yeah you know you know what i mean if we can't even comprehend going to mars let alone, and then you just go bloop another yeah. dimension here's here's the dimension exactly like yours only it's not it's a different like it's i don't know it's crazy but when they when ryan was talking about the, the dialogue is so interesting i wish like isn't it i'm gonna i don't know it's it all depends on how you interpret it you know yeah absolutely it's like are they and that's what i wanted like because you and me saw it from way two different complete angles and uh dude it makes it makes me think of the fourth kind oh for sure without question when you said that like like, we are like when you basically implied they're saying we are gods i'm like oh gosh because that that's my initial reaction when when it's almost like bledsoe put it up as a defense well i believe in god you know, because it's it's like we are light, we are creation. He's like, no, you're not creation. I believe in God. God is the creator. And, and then they're they're like, okay, well then we create you. See, and that could have that's a whole. It's almost like it's that's almost even like completely a, different from what you were saying before, because now, like you said, Chris is taking a defensive stance to yeah. him. Like, like you almost can't be on them on their yeah, shit. You can't be creation because I believe in God, and they're like, well, then we create you. But Which, I don't know the defense point was that well because overall to my knowledge so far in my research Chris is 100% convinced that these things are here to help yeah the only thing that makes me say that is that he was so involved in his religion to begin with possible because I'm assuming I don't know what religion he was but I'm assuming he thinks that God is the creator right and when these things say no we are light we are creation well, there's only one creator in most religions, right? God. And when you got all these other beings, four of them standing there telling you, we are creation. He's like, no, I believe in God. And that very well could have been the case. We weren't there. So it's yeah. kind of hard to yeah. rip that apart. But Ryan, with that insight, you know, also explains that their, their craft are, are living. I've, I've thing. heard that a lot. And it's not the first heard time we've heard that. Also, that these beings, they are able to, which lends actually kind of more could tie into my first experience. But these beings are able to more or less manipulate themselves for us to comprehend their because oh, yeah. if they are pure energy, oh, yeah. pure light, it's almost like we wouldn't comprehend it. You know, no. just like a fucking light that talks to you. Probably just blow our brains apart. You could almost think that it's a be it'd be a spirit or something like that. But uh, kind of ties all that together. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I don't know if I write it down, but I'm going to go ahead and bring it up. But like with these crafts, there's like these spikes that come off of them, which is kind of bizarre. But apparently at the end of these spikes, there's like hexagon shapes. And I don't really know why they're hexagon, but apparently these little spikes in these hexagon things at the end of them have the ability to distort reality around you. Oh. And great. just utterly change every aspect to everything. Great. That's great. Which could have explained the whole trailer thing in the beginning and oh, all yeah, that jazz. Yeah, yeah. You can pretty much, yeah, just make whatever they want you to see. 
Look, I have so much more of the regression. I know. I I just looked up and saw we were over an hour. Yeah. Like, Holy shit. I'll go ahead and finish out this regression since I've started. I don't want to be. All right. Picking back up. Doctor, are the same ones you've seen in your backyard? This is the only part. This next line is the only part that got put in that documentary. The only line from the regression. Because the doctor asks, are they the same ones you've seen in your backyard? That was not, apparently that was not included in the the documentary. This next line was, that's their children. They let them out to play. That's all they put in there? That is all they put in there. That doesn't even... That's 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 nothing without the rest of the context. Exactly, so and that stupid. also brought brought me back to one of them <clears throat> the mental thinking points I told you about. Like, what what if them little red orbs that people see that bebop around with intelligence? What if that's more or less children? Like, children would go fuck with a cow. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and they have intelligence behind them. Yeah. And the they're apparently curious about everything. Yeah. So they're out there bebopping around. Checking out stuff. Just checking shit out. That is weird. Not saying it is. Often time, especially in ghost hunting and shit, you talk, when people talk about intelligent orbs, they use the term playful. Oh shit, I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know either. But anyways, you know, he says that's their children. Did I miss the part where he was talking about seeing them in the backyard? Uh, n- I don't think so. Because this is past the the creation part, and I think the doctor is just trying to say, okay, is this the, are these, this, what you're seeing now and talking to now, are they the same ones that you saw in the backyard, like when he turned and expected oh, yeah, Junior yeah, to yeah, be yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I All got right. you. That makes sense. And he, and he says, you know, that's their children. They let them I didn't know play. if that was a different uh, <clears throat> encounter or not, but that makes sense. And and the doctor says, in your backyard? Chris says, yeah. They, or Chris says, they come to take care of us, teaching them, I want to go home. Why do they shine? Doctor, are their eyes black? Chris, uh-huh. They look like Dr. Do their children look like their parents? Chris, yes, sort of. They're glowing. They have protection on. Doctor, have they been in your home? Chris, regularly. Hell with that. Doctor, how long have they been there? Chris, since I was little, they're invisible. Which remind you of ghosts. Doctor, if they're invisible, how do you know when they're in your home? Chris, I just knew. I wondered what it was. Doctor, are they with you now? Chris, uh-huh. They're looking after me. Doctor, are they guardians for your family? Are they looking after your entire family? Chris, yes. And they have been for generations. I never knew that. I just wondered. Doctor, how does that make you feel? Chris, happy, relaxed. It's like electricity. The hair stands up on my arms and legs. Doctor, were there beings with red eyes? Chris, the children have red eyes. That's protection. They have a suit on. 
transparent glass learning. They're learning about us, lifeguards. Doctor, why are they wearing them? Chris, they travel everywhere into different worlds. They wear them until a certain age, learn to use their abilities. That's not just one, there's not just one universe. Makes me think of the Shimmer Man and... All types of shit. Yeah. Doctor, there are other universes? Chris, that's what they say. Other dimensions. Doctor, do they come from other universes or other dimensions? Chris, they can go anywhere. Through time, other dimensions, I promise. Doctor, are they talking to you again? Chris, yes. Doctor, where is their home? Chris, no place we know of, a dimension, a second away, whenever they want to be here. A second away? Where did we hear that before? I know. I was thinking the exact fucking same thing. I can't remember if it was in Stardust no, it's, or... it's recent. Something, but it was it was that... Just it, was, it was said almost identical to that where it was like, it's too far away or yeah, something yeah. to that nature. What? Was that? That's why I just pointed at you. Oh, dude, I can't even remember what I was doing. <coughs> just a second away. I can't even remember. I can't either. Somebody will probably pick it up for us. Yeah, it, it was on one of the recent episodes. It was after Stardust. It might have been. Dude, I don't know. That's so weird. That's so weird that mm-hmm. he says it like that. Uh, doctor, why did they come here to this earth? Chris, to learn. To learn balance. It's almost like a garden to them. Doctor, what is it that they balance? Chris, existing life of all kinds. Everything. To measure all details for, for eons, they've been doing that. Not just here. A lot of place. In the blink of an eye, in and out. I'm tired. I want to go home. Doctor. Where's your home, Chris? Chris. Far away. Beyond Andromeda. Doctor. Do they have a family there? Chris. It's sad. Very sad. Doctor. You're still learning now. You still want to go home? Chris. "Uh Uh-huh. I want to see my son. Doctor, are they ready to let you go home? Chris, they told me whenever I want, I can always go back home. Doctor, how did you get from that place to the road? And this was in reference to the abduction. Chris, they brought me back. Doctor, how did how do they do that? Chris, they brought me back to the ground. Doctor, did they land? Chris, no, it didn't touch the ground. Just above the ground, I see the spikes, the twinkle. Doctor, so you're back on the road now? Chris, uh uh-huh. Doctor, what did you do then? Chris, I was looking for my son. I was frightened. Walked through the mud. Everyone is frightened. Doctor, all the other men? Chris, yes, they're scared. They get the car. We have to stay. Go, go, go. Just leave it. They're screaming. Quit yelling. I got the drive. I'll get you home. And then essentially, 
the the regression goes on a hair longer, but it's just what I've already gone through with them, like getting home, you know, because at this point they had dropped him back off on the path. He made his way back down to the campfire. And that's where the, you know, the story kind of took. But uh, another note here that I, I found, I did actually end up writing this down about the spikes, about how they will uh, bend reality. They can take your soul, enable them to walk through walls. Also, at the end, they have the hexagon shape, which is apparently, according to the CIA, these beings use symbology and you have to pay attention to their symbols. That's coming straight from the CIA. Interesting. Right? There's a lot of really interesting dialogue. I wonder what the con like what the meaning behind the hexagon is. I don't know. But it has to do with symbology. Symbology. We gotta get that sound clip. <laughs> All you gotta do is pull from uh, email. Send it to us. Because dude <laughs> sent it to us. That cracks me up. Yeah. But I think that is where I'm going to end this episode. Where we are maybe halfway through the blood so case. I can guarantee you there's probably gonna be at least two more episodes. Because there's a whole nother regression in Chris's next encounter. Oh. And it gets even weirder with the religious aspect. What does the hexagon symbolize? It's found in sacred shapes like the flower of life, which is seen in ancient architecture around the world. Because of its two interlocking triangles, the hexagon is a symbol that often stands for harmony and balance and also male and female energy. When you draw a six-pointed star, the points form together as a hexagon. The hexagon is the strongest shape known. That kind of plays exactly into like what Chris describes them to be. If they are like treating everything like a garden, yeah, you know, and kind of seeing things through, and yeah, like I said, Chris has a very positive experience from all this. Yeah, dude, that's I, I don't know. It's wild. It's crazy, dude. It is crazy. Absolutely crazy. I, yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, like, I, I want to try to find the regression. I don't know if I want to listen to it or not. I've listened to a couple of regressions, and it kind of f's with me a little bit. Oh, for sure. Like I said, I was just re I was just re listening to Ryan's friend read it, and I felt like they were in the room with me. Not yeah. them. I'm talking about the entities. Yeah. Because I kept like looking over my shoulder, like shitheads better not pop up behind me. <laughs> I don't know, it just it was it made me feel really weird. It's it's bizarre. It's a bizarre encounter. I'm telling you, and it's it I'm from what I understand it gets even weirder. So great. That's great. Yeah. That's really great. But we're gonna wrap it up there. Um check us out next week. We will continue with the Bledsoe saga. I apologize for my voice getting over COVID. It's all screwed up. So thank goodness Kyle's at the wheel here. Woohoo! So check us out at all our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Come and hang out with us and this creepy stuff. Until we meet again, stay safe, stay weird. And I don't know, dog, just don't get abducted. That's it. <laughs>